0: With the first big wave of free agency now over, what are the Buffalo Bills' biggest remaining needs, and what did general manager Brandon Bean say about them? We're breaking that all down today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. what's up bills mafia it's joe marino author of go bills and buffalo's run also the co-host of the lockdown nfl scouting podcast and i am your host of lockdown bills want to thank you for making lockdown bills your first listen every day and please be sure to subscribe or follow for free on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts we're part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day Well, folks, the big wave, the first big initial wave of free agency is now behind us. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not more moves coming. In fact, I can guarantee you that more moves are coming. But the big, splashy waves are likely behind us. And with that in mind, what I want to do today is identify what I think the biggest remaining needs are for the Buffalo Bills. I want to talk about what Brandon Bean said about those things when he spoke to the media on Friday. and then talk a little bit about some newsy stuff that came through with Jordan Poyer's contract terms, Isaiah McKenzie being released, and the status of Dane Jackson. So let's start with what I think the biggest remaining needs are. And I have them in order one through eight. I thought I was going to give you a top five, but then I'm like, well, I got like a four-way tie for number five, so let's just include them all. To me, the number one remaining needs for the, excuse me, the number one remaining need for the Buffalo Bills is inside linebacker. That's the number one need. Right now, you're looking at a competition between Tyrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard, and Balen Spector. And on one hand, the Buffalo Bills took Terrell Bernard in the third round last year. And you could say that there was some foresight here preparing for the loss of Tremaine Edmonds, and this was the plan. We'll see. We'll see. I would like to see an addition made here. Now, the free agent market of inside linebackers dried up pretty quick. And so perhaps you're hoping for someone to be released, but in reality, this could be the direction of the Bills' first-round draft pick. Or maybe a little bit of a trade back and still using your top pick on your potential starting Mike Linebacker. But this is the biggest glaring issue on this roster, in my opinion, right now. Number two for me is edge rusher. And maybe you're listening to that and saying, Joe, I can't stomach any more investments on the edge. Well, I hear you, but it's still not good enough. And Von Miller tore his ACL. On Thanksgiving, we're all hopeful he's ready to go for week one, but we don't know. And so you want to hedge there, but you also need another guy. Right now, it's Greg Rousseau and Von Miller as your starters, assuming Von Miller's healthy. And then it's AJ Epinesa and Boogie Dasham. Those two guys have continued to prove that they're not good enough. And right now, they're in line to play a lot of snaps for this defense probably around 1,000 snaps right now committed to Epinesa and Basham. Does that make you happy? It doesn't make me happy. That's a high-impact position. I think the Bills need to get something meaningful there, whether that's a veteran like a Justin Houston, who I've been really pounding the table for, or a fairly high draft pick, and this is a deep class of edge rushers, and the Bills should probably participate and get somebody there because AJ Epinesa is entering a contract year and well Boogie Basham hasn't really been that good. And so to me this is a an important need. Look at those two teams in the Super Bowl last year, the Chiefs and the Eagles. A lot of depth on the edge for both teams. Bengals, lots of edge on the uh, lots of depth on the edge. I'm jealous of that. Number 3 for me is wide receiver you could be looking at a situation right now where the Bills' top receivers are number one, Steph Diggs, two, Gabe Davis, three, Khalil Shakir, four, Deontay Hardy. And as long as Khalil Shakir fulfills the promise of being the three and the arrival of Deontay Hardy helps with that and with Gabe Davis's role at number two, that could be a nice quartet at the top. But I don't know. I'd, I'd want some hedges here. Gabe Davis entering a contract year, an unproven player in the slot. You're hopeful with Hardy, but you don't know. Still a need to me. Number four is interior defensive line. At a minimum right now, you have one key rotational spot available because Jordan Phillips remains unsigned. And so you have Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, and Tim Settle. You got to get another guy that's going to play a lot. Meanwhile, all of those players, Jones, Settle, Oliver, are contracts that expire after this season. You need some meaningful additions here, or at least a meaningful addition here. So linebacker one, edge two, wide receiver three, interior defensive line four, and then this is like my four-way tie. I could be convinced of any one of these next four Being the number one. So let's work through it real quick. The way that I have it written down is right now, number five is safety. And it's probably the least immediate pressing need, considering you do have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde back. But for how long? Micah Hyde only has one year left on his deal. Jordan Poyer, a two year contract that conceivably could be a one year deal. And I think you have a really unique opportunity to go ahead and kind of identify your succession plan and give them a season behind Poyer and Hyde. I mean, Poyer and Hyde are masters of this defense. You have a unique opportunity right now to get a player in the mix that you plan on grooming behind them. And maybe one of them's Christian Benford, but you need another one too. So I'd love for them to capitalize on that opportunity to groom a, a guy or two behind Poyer and Hyde. Number six is offensive tackle. You need a swing guy, a guy that can back up both spots. You do have Tommy Doyle in the mix right now, but he's coming off of an ACL tear and quite honestly hasn't proven much in the NFL. And so I do think that you need to be proactively looking for your primary backup to both Deion Dawkins and Spencer Brown. Next, I have running back. We all know that the Bills need that downhill presence, that guy that can pass block. That's probably the most important thing. Right now they do not have a good pass blocking running back on the roster. That's a problem. It's a big problem. And so between that and short yardage, a physical component to your running game, you got to find that still. And so um I think running back is an important hole to fill on this roster. And then number eight is tight end. Right now your backup tight end is Quentin Morris. I like Quentin Morris, but I think he's certainly upgradable and I would want him to have meaningful competition. And I'd certainly like more intriguing options. Should the bills actually lean into running more 12 personnel. And right now, those are the only two, two tight ends on the roster. You get, you're going to have to add some guys there. So the way that I have it stacked up is linebacker one edge two, wide receiver, three defensive tackle, four safety, five, offensive tackle six, running back seven, tight end eight. But again, I could be convinced that those last four could go in a completely different order. So that's how I see the Bills' remaining needs. Now, in a moment, I want to talk through some of the comments that Brandon Bean made on Friday that not only gives us some clues about where investments could be made in the future, but how they perceive some of the key players at a lot of the positions we just talked about. But first, I do need to tell you about Ultimate Football GM, who is the sponsor of today's podcast. Maybe you want to be a GM if you like team building. You probably do if you're listening to this podcast. You know that that's a big part of what we talk about. Then you got to try Ultimate Football GM. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and try to build a dynasty. With Ultimate Football GM, you're responsible for hiring coaches, managing finances, negotiating player salaries and terms, navigating through free agency, the draft, injuries, personnel issues, all the ups and downs of a season, and all this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free, playable offline, on the go, as you want and when you want to. In fact, Lockdown Bills listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in the game store. That's locked on, so make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com, ultimate football GM. Start your dynasty today. So Brandon Bean met with the media on Friday. And it was a really cool opportunity for us to gain some insight on the signings that he made and kind of some thoughts that he had on the team. And so it's a 33-minute press conference. And I'm going to break it down to eight to 10 minutes right now to tell you what I think the most important things that he said were. So first of all, just generally speaking on the approach to free agency, he talked about being responsible and that you can't have huge ticket guys every year. They're trying to be competitive every season. And what they don't want to do is be irresponsible and allow things to snowball into problems where they have to tear things down. So they're not necessarily done. But if they were to make moves, additional big ticket moves, they're going to have to restructure somebody. And so you could see that Brandon Bean is really trying to balance winning now, but also winning next year and the year after that, not getting yourself in a position where you have to really start unloading talent. And I can appreciate that perspective. On replacing Tremaine Edmonds, this is what he said, and this is important. He said, sometimes your answer is on your roster. And the first guy he mentioned was Terrell Dotson. And then he referred to the two draft picks from last year in Terrell Bernard and Balin Specter. Said they'll continue to look for competition. They won't declare a starter, and they will keep Matt Milano where he's at and really talked about his value as a matchup linebacker. So I really do see him eye-to-eye eye on the Matt Milano thing. I wouldn't mess around with moving him. I saw some suggestions about that. It didn't really make sense to me in terms of skill set, both for the mic but also what he brings as your will. It's kind of a perfect spot for him. I wouldn't mess with that. And was happy to hear that Brandon Bean agrees. But look, replacing Tremaine, sometimes the answer is on your roster. Mentioning Tyrell Donson, who got a fully guaranteed one-year contract. Two draft picks, Terrell Bernard and Baelin Spector. Maybe it's time for me to accept the reality of the situation. Either that or it's not being too open about the need and tipping off, well, the Bills are going to draft a linebacker with their first pick. So if you want Jack Campbell from Iowa or whatever player – telling other teams, go ahead and get in front of Buffalo so that way you can get them and the Bills can't because they're desperate and have to get this linebacker. At a minimum, they have to give some messaging that they like guys like Tyrell Dotson and Terrell Bernard. So you can look at it either way, but that's how he answered the question. On Deontay Hardy, he said he fits our full role, can play inside and outside, referred to 2021, which was obviously his most productive season complimented his ability to stretch the field vertically and track the football but also catch the ball underneath run option routes from inside and the nine stop route called him a good run after catch player so that's pretty much the same stuff that i saw on film and what i talked about last week but i think the big thing here is that he said he fits our four role which i like i like this isn't a this isn't a commitment where you say, Deontay Hardy, you're our volume slot player. I think that would be irresponsible. But the 4 role tapping into the versatility, both from alignment and the areas of the field that he can challenge, my vision for Deontay Hardy seems to match up with what Brandon Bean is seeing as well. On the amount of cap space remaining, he said 9 million, dollars, and that was before the Isaiah McKenzie release, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes. So they still have money. They have to be smart. If they spend too much, then they're going to have to find restructures. And so in the restructure bucket, I think you still have Deion Dawkins. You have Trey White. And then you can do extensions and move things around with guys like Daquan Jones, Micah Hyde, Taron Johnson. Those are kind of your, your opportunities there to, to do something to create more cap space. On DeMar Hamlin and his return to football, it really feels like there's a lot of momentum for this to happen. Brandon Bean said that DeMar Hamlin is dialed in, has every intention to play. His doctor visits should be wrapped up in April. Everything is checked out to this point. He's trending in the right direction. Obviously wants to make sure that all medical people are aligned, said they're rooting for him. DeMar wants to play, and we, the Bills, want to see him play. A lot of momentum here for DeMar Hamlin returning to football. And if he does you can lock him in for the comeback player of the year. And so I don't I don't envy being in the Bills' shoes to have to kind of sort through this with DeMar, but if doctors say it's okay and DeMar wants to play and you're willing to do it, well, then you've got a lot of common ground there to get him back on the field and obviously gained a ton of meaningful playing time last year, some ups and downs for sure but maybe DeMar Hamlin and Christian Benford are your replacements for Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And the stuff we talked about earlier already exists at running back. He said they have talked to Devin Singletary's reps and then did also say, like we do everyone, they are looking to add more depth. They're looking for different skill sets. He said, we're totally aware that we have a couple of backs on 200 pounds And they'll look to add players heavier than that. So, an acknowledgement of the need for a physical downhill back. On Connor McGovern, called him a steady player, gets the job done, really good in pass protection, very smart, aware, understands angles, gritty and tough, said his best football is ahead of him. We really liked him coming out of Penn State. The plan is to play him at left guard, which Connor McGovern affirmed in his own press conference. So, a lot of the buzzy phrases that Brandon Bean delivered when talking about Connor McGovern really match up with the player I watched on tape as well. So Bean and I are pretty much in lockstep there. Um, but I would say one thing that I was hoping to hear was that the plan was to play him at right guard, where it feels like all the Cowboys people are telling us has been his best position. It's where he played in college. And and then you, you foil that with Ryan Bates saying that his most natural position is left on the left side and you feel like you had a natural opportunity to put these guys in, in the right spots, but it doesn't seem like that's the plan. So my expectation is for for McGovern to be the left guard and Bates to be the right guard. On Spencer Brown, Brandon Bean has said, we're very confident in Spencer Brown. He's trending up. Had back surgery that set him back last offseason, and he missed a lot of valuable reps for a player who didn't play his last year in college. Said Spencer Brown got playing time as a rookie. But last year was supposed to be his big first offseason. Then he had a setback with the back. Said he still minus a lot of reps. Thought he played really well down the stretch. Very confident he will solidify the right tackle spot. I know there's some people out there that are concerned about Spencer Brown and what he's shown over two seasons. But the messaging from the Bills has been nothing but confident in Spencer Brown and his development, his trajectory, and his ability to be the Bills' right tackle. So you guys know that I'm pretty much in on that too I think in a lot of ways Spencer Brown is my new Dawson Knox where if you guys remember there's a lot of concern about Dawson Knox coming out of his first two seasons and I remember that offseason very well answering questions about Johnu Smith about how he needs to be a player the Bills go all in on and trading for Zach Ertz and my message was no I think Dawson Knox has got a lot of good in him and there's a lot of reasons for the inconsistency to this point, but there's a lot of reason to buy into him being an answer. And I I feel like in so many ways I, I'm in that same spot with Spencer Brown where the talent is obvious, the physical ability is abundantly clear, size and athleticism for days. Didn't play offensive line in high school, was an eight-man football tight end has two seasons of experience at Northern Iowa, misses his last year due to the COVID season. It's a big jump coming to the NFL, but he's had some good time on task. Obviously, the injury, Like I don't know why we're not extending more grace because of that back surgery and how that put him behind between year one and year two. I'm excited for Spencer Brown in year three. Now it has to come together. He has to fulfill all this promise that I'm preaching right now. But there's plenty of reason to believe in it, and I think Dawson Knox – or excuse me, Spencer Brown's going to be my new Dawson Knox here. On Odell Beckham Jr., he said, we're always doing due diligence. If someone's working out, we're going to take a look. Wasn't um, – didn't really give us a whole lot there, but I, I wanted to at least acknowledge that he was asked about Odell Beckham Jr. and talked about due diligence and that they're always looking for talent. So if guys have to a workout, they're going to send somebody there. Then, lastly, on defensive coordinator, uh, he said, We're not planning on bringing in anyone from the outside. Ultimately, that's Sean's side of the ball. So he'll head that up and said, That's the most detail I will get into. Said, There's no reason to name a play caller right now. Really feels like all the momentum here is towards Sean McDermott being your defensive play caller in 2023. Now, there's plenty of in house guys that can do it. Maybe that'll change as the offseason moves along. But right now I, I feel like the hints and my expectation is for Sean McDermott to be your defensive play caller in 2023. Now I do want to get into some more things here. Jordan Poyer's contract terms, Isaiah McKenzie being released, Dane Jackson status. But first I do need to tell you about FanDuel. The tournament is heating up and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. And there is no better sportsbook to place your bets than FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash lockdown to learn more. Make every more moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's close out the podcast today with some newsy items. And I want to start with Jordan Poyer and his contract because this did not come in anywhere close to what I was thinking. And it didn't come in anywhere close to what I think Jordan Poyer was hoping to get. I mean, this was this was big. Jordan Poyer signed a two-year, $12.5 million deal with the Bills. And it's conceivable that the way that it's structured, it's really a one-year deal. Has a $7.5 million cap hit in 2024, but he can be released for a savings of $5.5 million with $2 million in dead cap. There's a lot of flexibility baked in. And I mentioned this end of last week, and I want to go in a little bit more on it right now. Brandon Bean managed the Jordan Poyer situation perfectly. Didn't panic. Didn't show up to the voluntary stuff. Was pretty open about his desire for a new contract. Hired Drew Rosenhaus to maximize. His value. And Brandon Bean played it perfectly. Didn't panic and got him back for an unbelievable value when we knew the most important thing, presumably for Jordan Poyer, was money. It's widely understood that Jordan Poyer wanted the Harrison Smith deal. What's the Harrison Smith deal? Minnesota Vikings safety. Entering his age 32 season, which is exactly what Jordan Poyer is doing, Harrison Smith signed a four-year, $64 million deal with the Minnesota Vikings. $16 million a season. Signed that deal in August of 2021. That's what Jordan Poyer was after. He didn't get four years, 64. He got two years, 12 and a half. Brandon Bean has often said that he's got valuations on players, and he won't go over them. And you saw that with Tremaine Evans. Presumably, the Bills said, you know what? Yeah, we, we're not – our 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 max is whatever. It's not 18. We're not going to pay it. They got Jordan back for two years, $12.5 million. Played it perfectly. Isaiah McKenzie was released. We saw this coming. Whether it was the savings of over two million dollars in cap space coming in at about two point two, we know the Bills need it. But then Brandon Bean, end of last week during his press conference, was asked about Isaiah McKenzie because he had the roster bonus due. The bills would had to make the decision to keep him or not, and he said, "We have we're having internal conversations about that. We want to make sure there's not too much duplicate." And yeah, there is. There's too much duplicate between him and Deontay Hardy, except for Hardy's a better return guy, and I think Hardy's a more nuanced wide receiver. Now he doesn't have rapport with Josh Allen. I think one thing that we potentially don't give enough credit to is that Isaiah McKenzie was Jordan, or excuse me, was Josh Allen's longest tenured wide receiver. McKenzie came in in 2018, like mid-season. Josh Allen's rookie year, he's kind of been seen it all, right? I think we can all appreciate Isaiah McKenzie, the personality. He's made some good plays, had some good moments, but he's inconsistent. And at this point in his career, expecting him to be more consistent, expecting him to be a player that he's never been, is unlikely. And that's the big message that I had with him over the summer. Even when you know training camp was just literally the Isaiah McKenzie show, right? And how many times did I say it would be very unlikely that at this point in his career, I think it was like his age 27 season or whatever it was last year, for him to all of a sudden be this volume slot. So I, I have a lot of respect for Isaiah McKenzie's tenure with the Bills. But at the end of the day, I align with letting him go for the cap savings and making sure you don't have too much redundancy within your wide receiver core. I mean, you're looking at Isaiah McKenzie as your wide receiver five that does nothing for you on special teams. If you're the wide receiver five, got to cover kicks and punts. Or you got to bring some return value, which Isaiah McKenzie doesn't. I guess it's probably a matter of time before he signs with the New York Giants, right? Very logical sp- spot for him. You know, uh, Chad Hall went to the Jaguars, so I think you can naturally look at that as a potential spot for him, and I think they could use a player like him. So we'll see what happens. I think we'll all be rooting for Isaiah McKenzie, but also understand why the decision was made. Last thing I want to mention is this Dane Jackson situation. Remember restricted free agent reports that the bills were going to tender him. That would cost them around two, seven, two, eight for next year. Well, the bills re-signed him to a one-year contract for less than the restricted free agent tender, which was kind of the game plan we always thought. There. And then when it was reported that they were going to tender him, you're like, wait, what? What's going on here? This doesn't make a lot of sense. Part of me is a little surprised Dane Jackson didn't want to let this play out a little bit more. And he had until April 21st to negotiate with other teams. I mean, the guys started for the last year and a half. Thought maybe there'd be a little bit of interest out there. He can get more. But for him, it probably came back to familiarity, opportunity being there. But I, I don't expect him to start. I mean, my expectation is for Trey White and Kyer Elam to be the Bills starting outside corners next year. And so Dane Jackson's going to be your primary backup, maybe a little bit of slot cross-training, help you on special teams. I'd be pretty disappointed if Dane Jackson was, by choice, cutting into Kyer Elam's playing time next year. I think that'd be very concerning on a number of fronts. So let's hope that's not the case and that Dane Jackson at a very low cost contract comes in and provides depth and special teams ability. But kind of an interesting dynamic of how this all played out with the restricted friend, free agent tender being picked up and then signing for less and not taking any time to negotiate with other teams when he had over a month to do it. But it winds up being a win for the bills because you get a player back. That's going to provide depth at a low cost. That's familiar with your, Operation that's played a lot of football for you over the last year and a half. So I think that that wound up working out pretty good for the Bills. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. If we get some big news to deal with, our next show will be about that. If we don't, then we're going to do Herd Mentality for our Tuesday podcast. So make sure you don't miss anything. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Check out my other podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NFL Scouting. Our Monday episode is going to be about Jonah Williams, his trade market, the Bengals in this left tackle situation that they have, bringing in Orlando Brown. Uh, It's it's a really fun situation that Kyle Krabs and I break down on Locked On NFL Scouting today, so make sure you check that out. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.